So welcome in to the week five Backroads podcast. So much to talk about this week, including the champ has fallen. News and notes across the state on a variety of games. News and notes from the back pocket of Bobby Brown, who just seems to know everything that's going on in the great state of Texas. Volleyball, cross country, you name it, we got it coming at you right here on the Backroads podcast. I'm Craig Spear with the Happy Sports Network and PressFastSports.com. And I'm Bobby Brown, Texas 1A fan. Wow, today, summing up so much that happened in week five. There was a ton. At, at least this time, at least this week, there's not a full moon out. We don't well, have a coach getting suspended. We can actually talk about football and some of the wild and crazy things that happen. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, we can get right to the actually, you know, the positive good stuff. Exactly. Well, speaking of good stuff, we always start the podcast off with a coach. And this week, out of Region 3, it is the Union Hill head coach, Josh Bragdon, who just picked up his 50th win of his career uh, just a few weeks ago. And that is Union Hill head coach, Josh Bragdon. Coach, welcome in this afternoon. Thanks for having me on, guys. I'm, I'm excited to be a part. So, Coach, let's start with that. So, you're a young guy. We've got you up here on Zoom as we're recording this. You're a young guy. Are you sure you look young to me anyway? Did you imagine getting into this that already you'd be at 50 wins in your career? No. When, when I started into, into coaching high school sports, I had no idea what six-man football was. Um, and to be where I'm at now and, and at the place I'm at now is uh, it's exciting, it's fun, and uh, it's been really enjoyable so far. So you said you you didn't know what six man was. So expound for us a little bit. Kind of give us your background, where you came from, and what got you into six man football. Uh, well, I was I've been in East Texas my whole life and grew up at a three uh, A four A school, um, with eleven man. And kind of my first, I guess, even time I ever really heard about it was a guy I worked with had been at Trinidad and was telling me about you know he was doing six man and I I had no idea what that was. Um, let's see about six years into my career, a private school in, in Longview was looking for an athletic director. And I was trying to I just completed my master's and I was trying to get into being an athletic director. And they said, Hey, we're starting a six man program. So, well, you know, I don't know what it is, but I'll give it a shot. People say once it's in your blood, I mean, it, it's there and you can't get it out. And, you know, I, I thought of myself as a basketball coach and I could care less about basketball. Uh, <laughs> once I started coaching six man, I love it. But uh, six man's my passion, and I've, I've loved every minute of, of being a part of it. That, that that's awesome. And you talk about being in the blood. Winning seems to be in the blood there at Union Hill. Talk about the tradition of the school. Well, you know that starts with with Coach Mallory, and um, when he came over, you know he really really started the program going. You know, I think they played two seasons before he got there. But when Coach Mallory got there, he really built built a tradition that that luckily we've been able to um, kind of just uh, piggyback on. Uh, to be honest, my first six man game ever to coach was against Coach Mallory, and the uh, that was the let me see here, I think that was 2016 Bulldogs who lost in Jonesboro in the semifinal that year. Um, they had some studs on that team, and they they put a good whooping on us, and we walked off the field in the, in the third quarter. And, that was my first experience of uh, six-man football, but um, Coach Mallory has always been uh, very helpful um, to me throughout my career and kind of helped me uh, figure out some things and taught me some things. And, and uh, so luckily, I got to come over after he decided to get into that administration, and, and um, we've been able to keep it rolling so far. So I got to ask this question. As somebody who grew up in a bigger 3A, 4A, 11-man school, now that you've done six man this whole time, could you ever see yourself going back to 11 man? Nope. No, I, I could, you know, finish my days here at Union Hill and be completely content and happy. Um, it's a, it's a great community, a great place. Love the kids. You know, we feel ingrained um, with all those kids. And, and um, I just started becoming the elementary principal this year. So I now feel like even more a part uh, of Union Hill and, and everything that the school has to offer and the community has to offer. And, and can just see it growing from that this point forward. And no, I, I have I have no care to go back to the eleven man world. Or if my admin career takes me there later, way later, I'm not I'm not ready for that. But uh, then maybe so. But no, I I don't even think about it. So, so I, I guess 
I started to say, hang on, Bobby. I, I feel like I should get out the Darth Vader voice here because you went to the dark side, the admin side, coach. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we have a, a great superintendent who's been at a lot of six man schools and and uh, I love working for him. And and his wife was the uh, was the elementary principal and, and she took a job at the region center. And uh, he, you know, he knew I had had my principalship and and he kind of just said, hey, you know, is this something you'd consider? And um, I, I don't know that I'd want to be a secondary principal, but to be an elementary principal and, and uh, get to hang out with the little kids all day and kind of keep them on the straight and narrow. And uh, it's been a real blessing. It's been a lot of fun. So, yeah, I'm, I'm trying it out. It, it's been busy. It's been busy. That's for sure. Well, and, you know, those little ones, they like to give hugs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> no, no. I, I start every morning with with opening car doors at, at car drop off. And, and there's a there's a lot of hugs. And and that's perfectly OK with me seeing their smiling faces out the door and, and uh, starting the day off right. OK, so my biggest question is, you said, you know, you you are six men all the way. Tell me what is the motivating factor for saying that? Is it because it's faster or? Is yeah, it... yeah, it's faster. I feel like I feel like you can you can be a little bit more creative. You know, you don't want to get too creative because, you, you know, some guys out there try to recreate the wheel and it, it doesn't really work out for them. Um, but it, it gives you a little bit of freedom to be, be creative and in just the, the pace and the speed. And when you get those stops or when you have those games where you can't get stopped and you're just up and down the field, you know, I, I don't know what it is. It's just exciting. The energy and I don't know. I just can't can't go the other way anymore. You know, a lot of people say that once they see a six man game as opposed to eleven man, they just say, "Oh, the the way they describe it, it's just so much fun." Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's such an awesome thing, especially for the kids because you you know this, uh, kids who play six man football have to have an awful lot of stamina. Yeah. How do you build that in your team? It's tough. I mean. You know, in our program, we have about um, 22 kids um, on, on our quote unquote varsity. We carry about 10 and it's tough. It, it's really tough. And, you, you know, you got kids out there playing, you know, 130, 140 snaps a game, both sides of the ball, special teams and everything. And, and we try to condition every day that we can. And we, we lift almost every day of the week and we hope, we hope the guys show up every day in the summer. We've had really good summer, um, but it's tough. And at the end of the game, you know, you look around at both sides, both sides are sucking wind a little bit. And it's just who has that extra little bit because everybody's in the same boat, really. Let me ask you something, coach. And I, I've got, I've got a few friends that have told me this before and I just kind of laugh at them, but uh, let's get your thought. You're somebody who grew up in a bigger school. I hear this all the time. Yeah. Well, kids at six man couldn't start an 11 man program in the three, a four, a level. I tell them hogwash. What are your thoughts? we've seen that all the time where you have kids that, that will leave six man programs and then go and become starters at big time 11 man programs. I mean, just like that 2016 Union Hill team with Gabe Nelson, who goes to pine tree the next year and is, you know, first team all district running back and then gets a college scholarship after that. I mean, it happens all the time. And we've had kids from our program, you know, we're next door to Gilmer and Gilmer has a rich tradition of 11 man football and everyone just assumes, you know, Oh, how many kids y'all get from Gilmer? I'm like, we don't get kids from Gilmer. Our kids go to Gilmer. Um, <laughs> we don't. We don't want that. Um, but we we've had it multiple times just since I've been here, where we've had starters or kids that would be extremely good for us that kind of see the bright lights and and head that way and and get playing time over there. But we'd love to keep them here, and, and we do everything we can to keep them here. But I think that's hogwash. And um, kids at six man schools can go start and play. Big time minutes at 11 man school is easy. So speaking of playing, let's get to your team on the field. You guys win Friday night over Fort Worth. I'm going to call them Thesa. I don't know. Mm -hmm. that, that's the easiest way to do it there. You went yeah. 40 to 44. Um, what I found interesting in this ball game is your leading uh, rusher, Jake Bass, actually was your third leading rusher in this ball game. Daniel Dunn, 172 yards rushing. Devin Espinosa, 118 yards rushing. Talk about the versatility you've got in your backfield and how that helps you. Well, um, Friday night we had an unfortunate incident, and and Jake, our you know our leading rusher on our team, went down about midway through the second quarter, and um, you know he suffered an injury that that needed to be seen 
um, by somebody other than what was at the field. And so we were down to nine at that point and we've had a decent rotation of backs, but everyone got together and, and there were some motions on the field and we just said, guys, somebody's got to step up. Somebody's got to do this for Jake. And, and Daniel being a senior just said, Hey, give it to me and I'll, I'll, I'll do what I can do. And he had a heck of a game, uh, scored the winning touchdown with 28 seconds left and made some plays on defense and we gutted it out. It, it was not pretty, but, but we got the job done and luckily got to the bye week with the win. Hey, when they can get it out, that's that's probably the best moments of any football game. Oh, it was. Um, you know, it, the game didn't play out exactly as we saw it. We had some mental errors. There were a lot of emotions. And, you know, just the elation after that, just because of, of everything that happened that game was, I mean, it felt just as good as a playoff game. But uh, it was it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Do you see camaraderie at the six-man level, maybe at a higher level than you do at the 11-man? Yeah, absolutely. We don't see a whole lot of, of coaches um, from West Texas and all that, but but we have uh, met a lot of guys and talked to a lot of guys. And every Saturday morning there's guys texting or, or asking, or if I have a question, you know, last week I text Coach Reed and just said, hey, you know, you taught me about this play one time, you know, tell it to me again. I want to see if it'll work against – the defense we're going to see. And, you know, he, he took the time out of his day to, to tell me, Hey, this is what we did. You know, probably not going to work against this, but try it against this. If you do it this way, you know, and you know, I can text coach Mallory. I can text coach Chance, coach Smith, coach Gagos, any of these guys that, that I've met and they're, they're more than happy to help or, or tell me how they did something or explain it this way. Or um, the community in six man is, is definitely different than anything else. That's for sure. All right, Coach, before we get you out of here, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk to you about District 10, the district that you're in there with St. Joe, Savoy, and Campbell. Talk about, uh, with district coming up here, what you see in your district and your chances for your Bulldogs. You know, it, it's a tough district. It's got a couple teams that have really been building and making some adjustments and changes um, for the future. It's got, you know, St. Joe, who's been perennial district champions where they're at. Um, with always very well-coached teams, which Coach Stevens out there does a great job, fantastic job. It's going to be a tough slate. Um, we start with St. Joe, and uh, we got to go back up to St. Joe. We were there last year, and, and uh, Logan Bronner got the best of us, as he, he did a lot of people. But this year they don't got Logan Bronner, but I know they're going to be extremely well-coached. They fly around, they're fast, and they're going to get after it. So it's going to be a tough one, but this year I think – our seniors are, are ready to go get go get at them again. Um, St. Joe's kind of become a little bit of a rival for us over the past couple of years, and we look forward to to that matchup. Coach Guzman at Savoy is uh, is really building something up there, and uh, excited to see see what what he does with that program. I know they've already had quite a few more wins than they've had here in the past, and he's got them got some numbers back up there, and and so it'll be exciting to play them and, and see see what they've done with it, and then obviously. You know, Coach Pritchard at Ed Campbell is is doing everything he can do to to get them going on the right track. So it's a it's a tough little district. Um, it's going to be fun. You know, I, I feel like if if we play up to our ability, then I feel like we can come out on top. And I'd like to see us do that. I, I hope hope for that and see what we can do in the playoffs. All right, Coach. Well, we do appreciate you joining us this afternoon. Best of luck to your Union Hill Bulldogs moving forward, and uh, maybe we'll talk to you later down the road. All right. Hope so. Uh, thanks again for having me on and, and getting us here out, out east a little bit of an airtime. I appreciate it. Well, great stuff there from Coach Josh Bragdon at Union Hill. His team 4-0 and on the season. Got the big, big win over Fort Worth Thesa. I guess it, you know, you can call it, was it Texas Home Education School Association? Something like that. It's that's, easier to That's Thesa. too many words. It is way too many words. And it's easier to type, too. So Fort Worth Thesa, they win that one 48 to 44. We do appreciate Coach coming on with us. And you know what, Bobby? Let's just stay in Division One because we got to talk about the champ. And the champ has fallen. Everybody wants the champ to fall. Well, those that wanted that got their wish. Westbrook loses at home to Garden City 46 to 42. In honestly, what you could say was a big time defensive struggle in this ball game. It was. It was. I was able to listen to the last quarter and a half, I guess. But yeah, there there was lots of good defense in that game. 
Neither team, I think it was Garden City at 284 yards total offense. That was the most by either team. One of those had 284. I forget, but, uh, you know, to be 46-42 against two solid teams and neither team get over 300 yards total offense, to me that's kind of the the barrier uh, when you have a good game. Whoever gets over 300 is usually going to win. Neither team gets there. To me, that was so impressive. And when we talk about impressive numbers, listen to this. So John Lopez, the big bruising running back, do it all for Garden City. 15 carries, only 95 yards. He did get three touchdowns out of that. He had two receptions for 50 yards. He also had a passing touchdown. Here's what stands out. 16 tackles in the ballgame. All 16 were solo tackles. Good. Brief, as you like to say. That does not surprise me at all. John Lopez is a heck of a player. And he is the nicest kid. But as soon as he steps on that football field, he becomes an animal. And, I mean, he's aggressive. He does. He goes to work, and he does his job and does what he's supposed to. So, um, I'm pr- I'm thinking that those 15 uh, carries for only 95 yards and three TDs was him bruising his way into the end zone from not very far out. I think you would be correct there. Uh, also for Garden City, Logan Seidenberger, six of 15 through the air, 108. That Westbrook defense is really tough to pass against, and. Uh, uh, Seidenberger found that out. Westbrook, no surprise. It, actually, it is a bit of a surprise. Cedric Ware, only 10 carries in this ballgame. Now, he did have 79 yards total offense, three touchdowns. He caught two balls for 62 yards, including one. He took 60 yards to the house. And then Parker Matlock, 9 of 13 through the air, 122 yards and a touchdown. But we talk about John Lopez, one of my other favorite defenders on the field, Peyton Dominguez. He decided to match John Lopez pretty much uh, uh, tit for tat. Dominguez, 14 tackles, 13 of those solo. Holy cow. Lopez and Dominguez combined for 29 solo tackles in this game. That is unreal. Oh, I know. I wish I could have been at that game to see it because uh, you're going to laugh. Uh, I was driving back from Hermely, and there's a spot between Snyder and Post where there's no service. That is correct. Been there quite often. Yes, I've driven that way a lot this season. Um, so right before I got to that spot, it was like there was like three minutes left in that game and I was not going to lose it. So I actually pulled <laughs> over on the side of the road until it listened until it was done so I could hear all of it. That's fantastic. So <laughs> Westbrook was number one in the state. They fall to Garden City 46 to 42. Garden City was unranked. They were sitting just outside the top 10. So I'd imagine they will join the group there in the top 10. And we should have, I would think, a new number one. And my guess is that is going to be the Abbott Panthers. Coach Crawford and his crew, uh, no problem with Avalon in this one. 46 to nothing. Brady Schulz, uh, two carries, 73 yards. Both of those went to the house. Riley Sestala uh, didn't get a whole lot of uh, yardage on the ground because I think he only carried it one or two times. Uh, but he had a fumble recovery and an interception for a touchdown. So uh, one way or another, he wants to get his name on the show, and that's what he did. Carson Johnson both had a passing and a rushing touchdown. And for Avalon, Eric Padron, seven carries for 62 yards. Number three, Rankin took on number 10, Van Horn, Thursday night. And, uh, you know, this is a good one because I think we were all kind of wondering where where Van Horn stood in this whole thing. Rankin, we know that they went toe-to-toe with Westbrook. So we know they are near the top. That's why they're ranked number three. Rankin uh, wins this one over Van Horn, 88-39. to 39. I was impressed, though. Van Horn put up 39 points against well, a really good Rankin defense. So I think that's good. Well, the first half, that, that game was way closer than what the score indicates. And Rankin was having some issues with Van Horn early. Uh, finally, after the half, they finally got over the hump. But you got to hand it to Van Horn. When you go toe-to-toe with all those athletes at Rankin, you know, you're doing something right. Definitely. Well, and you talk about toe-to-toe, Bryce Verdell, one of your favorite players, 21 carries, 185 yards, and three touchdowns. He also had four receptions for 60 yards and two touchdowns in that ball game. So Rankin over Van Horn, 88-39. to 39. May picks up a victory again. No, I'm kidding. They were off this week, but... Uh, yeah, that but, game one got canceled on them, so yeah, okay. uh, they weren't so, able to play. Gotcha. Uh, number five, Jonesboro took on one of our favorite private schools, the Smoking for Jesus Ministry out of Burnett. And Jonesboro wins this one of 58 to 44. 
Number six, Happy takes on the Lubbock Titans, the homeschool out of Happy, uh, out of Happy, out of Lubbock. And uh, Happy, no problem in this one. I love the score, though, and we're going to talk about it for just a second. 56 to four. So Trice Johnson, five carries, 112 yards, two touchdowns. Kyton Johnson had a receiving touchdown and a 74 yard pick six. And we'll talk about pick sixes here shortly. But 56 to four, what an odd score to end up on. And I do a column for Press Pass Sports, and I had to explain to those who do a lot of, you know, oh, was that two safeties? No. And six, man, you can kick a field goal. And that's exactly what Lubbock did in the very first drive of the ball game. They kicked a 33 yarder. This was an odd, odd game. Uh, that was really the only drive that Lubbock did anything on. They had about a 30-yard run. They finished the game with like 29 yards total offense. So that tells you what they got out of that one. They they end up uh, kicking the field goal. They had a drive where they started at their own 35-yard line, found themselves first and goal at the four, courtesy of negative yards on offense, but 49 yards worth of penalties against Happy, including three personal fouls. Oh, so, my. Yeah, just a just a crazy set of events going on at the Cowboy Corral, but happy uh, victorious there in at homecoming. Number you know, seven. Before we go on, there was another field goal um, in the um, let's see Mullen and Morgan game. Mullen kicked a thirty-one yard field goal, and you know we rarely get those throughout the season, and here we had two in one day. Exactly, it is amazing because a lot of times coaches will go for that fourth down. And I, I think it's just they don't – I think a lot of coaches feel comfortable with their kicker being able to make a 25, 30, maybe even a 35-yard field goal. I think they really worry about the block, and I think that's why we don't see a whole lot of those. But uh, so, hey, two in one week, it's its one of those weeks. That's just I'm the way. I'm telling you. Uh, number seven, Erion County was open. Number eight, Knox City. Now, they struggled in this ball game on the road. Uh, taking on uh, the Coral Wildcats, they went at 48-30. to 30. In this one, Tristan Baxter, 151 yards rushing and three touchdowns. Caleb Arietta, 57 yards rushing and two touchdowns. And for the Wildcats, Austin Hernandez, 34 carries in this game, 165 yards. If you go on 165 and 34 carries, you're earning every single yard that you got. Uh, three touchdowns. He was also 9-13 through the air with 95 yards and a touchdown. Last week's uh, guest, Mike Reed, and his Gordon Longhorns open this week. So uh, that will round out Division One in the top ten. And as we say, Bobby, Westbrook now going to fall, most likely fall from the number one perch. I doubt that they go very far, though. Probably uh, no, three, four, maybe five at the worst. But uh, I wouldn't expect them to drop very far. But I definitely do think we will see Garden City jump up in there. Oh, th well, they have to. You, you have to. I mean – that was a great game. They fought hard. They deserve that. You know, get them up there in those rankings. You know, we have several sets of people who who do rankings. We've got Dave Campbell's and then Six Man Fan has been doing rankings and his has been his have been pretty spot on. They have been good and uh as he says the toy as they like to call it. Uh, we'll see what the toy spits out for us. Uh Usually those rankings come out on Sunday at some point, so be interesting to see those. Let's go down to Division Two and uh, Benjamin in action this week. No problem with Roby, 56-6. to six. Uh, Number two, Richland Springs. Now, they had to work for this one. Uh, they beat Coolidge 74-30. to 30. Braxton Etheridge, eight carries for 130 yards, three touchdowns, three of four through the air for 102 and two scores. Keston Lusty, yeah, that's a name we've heard before. Four carries, 53 yards, and a touchdown. R.T. Adams for Coolidge doing some work. 21 carries, 110 yards, and a two touchdowns. So uh, hats off to Coolidge for sticking in that ball game with the uh, Cowboys there from Richland Springs. Well, you know, they again, here's another one where the first half was a different story from the second half. Coolidge hung in there, and Richland Springs was having a hard time with them the first two quarters. Number three, Lorraine, the Bulldogs, and Coach Popham take out uh, my good buddy Ty Keith down at Sands, 60 to 15. A.J. Williams, five carries, 142 yards, four of the five were touchdowns. He also had a pick six in this ballgame, so he just wanted to score all day. That, that's boring, A.J., come on. That's all you can do there. <laughs> no, number four, Cherokee all over Sydney, 50 to nothing, which takes us to number five, Balmeray and uh, – a guy who gets a lot of publicity. Balmeray beats Buena Vista 78 to 30. Tomas Contreras, 
Uh, Coach Jones must have felt sorry for him. So he only gave him 22 carries in this ball game, but he made the most of them. 281 yards, seven touchdowns in this one. Wow. Ethan, yeah, Ethan Villanueva, four or five through the air, 120 and three scores. And for the Longhorns, Tristan Griffin doing some work. 18 carries, 229 yards, and three touchdowns. And, uh, you know, we talked about Buena Vista is one of those teams that's not ranked, but you better show up to play. And then yeah. that, you know, they went toe-to-toe with Balmeray there for a while. Yeah, Balmeray, they jumped on them pretty quick. And one thing that they have worked on this year, it looks like, is not letting down the second half. And, boy, they didn't this game. They just kept taking it at them. They did. Another good game that went on, Klondike, number six in Division Two, taking on Ira. Now, this is an Ira team that's not ranked, but trust me, they are a top 15 team in Division One, and they take down the Cougars 64-40. to Jaron Pena with 196 yards rushing and six touchdowns. Brighton Partain, 162 yards and two touchdowns. So Pena and Partain uh, gained over 300 yards combined between the two of them. Partain also had a 45-yard uh, passing touchdown. For Klondike, no surprise, Creed Warren, 129 yards rushing on two touchdowns. And Colby Pepper, 8 of 11 for 154 and two scores. And what was a really good game there between the Cougars and the Bulldogs. Speaking of good games, a matchup of two top 10 teams, Jaden, number seven, and surprise, surprise, the Silverton Owls at number 10. And I know that sounds odd, but I think Silverton's starting to open the eyes of folks and they realize that uh, this just isn't a team that kind of put together a good record and, uh, okay, they end up getting ranked and then we see those fall off. I don't think that's the case with Silverton this year. Jaden wins at 34-27. to 27. Bodiham, 144-yard rushing and a touchdown, 15 tackles. Justin Collins uh, tried to match him tackle for tackle. He had 14 in this ballgame. And those and four, two are freshmen. Wow. I, I'm, I know Bodie is. I think Ch- Justin is as well. But yeah, that, that's as impressive. Silverton, uh, Cooper Cox, 10 to 29, 185 yards passing. Uh, Silverton only had 81 rushing yards in this game. That's kind of what they've been hanging their hat on is that rushing game with Sawyer Francis. But now when you look at this one, Bobby, Silverton's one of those teams. Well, hey, let, let's back up. Jayton has played one of the toughest schedules in six men football this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's one of the easily one of the top 10 schedules. And then when you look at Silverton three and two on the season, they've lost to Paducah. They've lost to Jayton. They beat Whitherill. This, I think this Owls team is for real. I do too. I expect them to, to, to get into the playoffs and make some noise. Um, you know, when they jumped up and, and bit Whitherill that week, uh, that was our wake up call. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. And yeah. so we're just going to need to watch those Silverton Owls. They they can put together some good series in a football game. Well, they will be favored for the rest of the season, so it's very possible they could finish the year at 8-2 and two as they head to the playoffs. Uh, number eight, Whit Harrell over Throckmorton, 102-52. to 52. I don't know why the two coaches don't think they can't score more than that, 102-52, to 52, but uh, Shamadric Weaver, check out these stats. 21 carries. 284 yards, nine touchdowns in the ball game, three receptions, 55 yards, and a touchdown. Perfect through the air. Seven of seven, 134, and another three touchdowns. Good grief, Bobby. Those are some numbers. You know, I bet oh, Shamadrick was extremely tired the next morning because <laughs> uh, those are some crazy numbers. Yes, they- definitely. They are crazy. Jaron Ellard there for Whitherall also 8 of 10, 131, had a touchdown and a kickoff return for a touchdown. And for the Greyhounds and Coach Hans, Jacob Gaspar, 31 carries, 261 yards and three scores, uh, 91 yards passing and two more touchdowns. And Zach Whitfield uh, rushed for 121 yards and three touchdowns in this ballgame. Uh, number nine, Oakwood falls to East Texas Homeschool, 72 to 58. I'll be honest with you, Bobby. I didn't do my homework on this one. So I don't know if them losing East Texas homeschool is an upset or not. I'm not real sure. Uh, you know, we keep up with 1A, UIL 1A schools, but the the homeschools and the Christian schools, uh, we don't really keep up with them. So it's kind of hard to gauge whether or not that would be an upset or not. Definitely. It, do, it does make things uh, difficult. So let's... Uh, Let's go through. That's uh, wraps up Division One. Wraps up Division Two. Let's go through some other stuff. And we got a great note here 
Let's start with Covington over Walnut Springs, 58-12. to 12. Now, Josh Revis in this game, eight carries, 85 yards a touchdown, 13 tackles, forced three forced fumbles. That's impressive. Caden Dorsey, though. Let's talk about Caden Dorsey. 15 yes. carries, 244 yards and six touchdowns. He was also 2-2 two two through the air for 83 yards and a touchdown, had 13 tackles, had an interception. And, Bobby, I'm not sure that he comes up to your shoulders because you're six foot. Uh, yeah, I gotta, you know, you know me, Craig, I love the little guy. I've, I've always loved the little guy because that is the very definition of perseverance and persistence and, and hard work. Well, Caden Dorsey, I found out he is five, one and 128 pounds. No, he's not bigger than a minute, but you know what he, I talked to coach still and he said he is extremely persistent. He's very hardworking and he's extremely explosive. He squats, get this, Craig, 425 pounds or more. And That's benches four times his weight. Yes. And benches 215. All of you little guys out there and girls who think, oh, I'm too little to do this. You just get that out of your head. Don't let anyone tell you that you can't do it. Prove them wrong. And from now on, Caden Dorsey, for me, you are Mighty Mouse. No doubt about that. Five foot one, 128 pounds. That's crazy. Yeah, he's he's quite something. I, I hope to see him play this season. And he's, I believe he's a junior. Wow. Well, that's impressive. Uh, he, he's in the stat book every single week there for the Owls uh, in Coach Steele. Uh, other games across the state, Spring Lake Earth. Took out Whitehead's first loss of the season for the Bucks. They lose that one 50 to 22 in the loss for White Deer. Hayden Hill, seven carries, 170 yards, and a touchdown. I'm telling you, the Spring Lake Earth team, they're better than I think most people realize. And uh, that I think that's exactly what White Deer ran into. How about this one? Strawn and Rotan. Strawn wins it 105. And I've seen differing scores. So you help me out here. I have 105 to 91. I've also seen 105 to 95. Set the record straight, Bobby. Bobby, what do you see as the final score? Well, let me look right fast since you just put me on the spot. Well, I like doing that. Well, you know, I'm not Lehman. Lehman could come up with a 1931 score off the top of his head. I have no idea how he does that, by the way. <laughs> uh, we'll just harass Lehman now and say that's because it's Lehman. Well, that's true. I love to use that excuse. It's because it's Lehman, but... <laughs> Uh, the strong greyhounds did win 105 to 95 over Rotan. All right, um, so 105 but, to 95, and that but this game took forever. Yes, four hours. Four hours. It was still wow. going on at like 10:45. That is crazy. I think they just wanted to play football all night. But do you blame them? Who wouldn't want to do that? Exactly. <laughs> you have to reach out to. Uh, Coach Lee and ask him if that's one of the crazier games he he's had in a while that he's played there. Yeah, I know. Uh, and they traveled all the way to Rotan. So can you imagine what time they got home that night? Hey, you know what? I bet you that was the quietest bus trip he's had with a win in a long time. Because I would imagine every player was dead asleep. <laughs> they They're... stopped at the local convenience store and they were gone. Yeah, I'm I'm here to tell you. If they weren't, then oh. Uh... <laughs> My goodness, that's exhausting. <laughs> that definitely is. Uh, other scores, Whiteface, all over Will Dorado, 74-8. Ethan Kaufman, nine carries, 186 yards, three touchdowns. Jeremiah Rendon, 106 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Trey Matthews in the loss, uh, 74 yards passing and a touchdown. I received this picture of some fireworks at a football game, and you know, you think, oh, that's cool. Um, but it was from Whiteface. They had homecoming this past, not week five, but in week four. When they won, they had a lot of fireworks go up in the outside the end zone of one end of the field. And someone sent me a picture. So I put it up on 1afan.com on the Backroads podcast webpage. You can see it. Thank you, Big Joey Alvarez, for sending that in. It's really cool. I mean, who doesn't like fireworks, Craig? Everybody loves fireworks. Well, except my dogs. Well, that's a different story. Mine neither. Yeah. 
Think about think about dogs, folks. When you set off fireworks, never had a clue. But you want to talk about talk about making dogs scaredy cats? Just set off some firecrackers. They do not like them. No, not at all. But <laughs> you know, West uh, Whiteface sure does at homecoming. So shout out to Whiteface. They know how to do homecoming upright with lots of fireworks. That they do. Press over Motley County, eighty-four to fifty-two. Three-way takes out Aquila, seventy-three to fifty-four. Claude beats Meta in a barn burner 50 to 48 this game a little bit crazy so javon lee the star spread back for claude goes out in the first quarter with a sprained ankle so his backup tj ivy steps in there and says javon what, what are you complaining about man this is easy 250 yards rushing and two touchdowns diego vega 40 yards on the ground and three touchdowns also had six tackles and two tackles for loss claude continuing to start to make some ground there in uh uh, Division One, uh, District Two that they're in, and uh, starting to make people uh, rise up and say, "Hey, we can't take the Mustangs for granted anymore." Valley over Petersburg, seventy-eight to thirty-three. And you know, Coach Stan Lamb was happy; he got one of his three starters back, so that's got to be a good thing. The Gorillas from Trent winners again over Paint Creek, fifty-three to forty-eight. Uh, going through here, a couple of other scores to take note of: Morgan over Mullen, sixty to ten. Rico Suave. 163 yards on the ground and three touchdowns. Oh, yeah. For everybody else in Morgan, that's Adrian Vero Rico. He's known affectionately as Rico Suave on this show. And EJ <laughs> Avilas, uh, 126 yards on the ground, two touchdowns, four or seven through the air, 72 yards and two touchdowns. So Morgan takes this one a 60 to 10. Uh, and 10 is an odd number. You don't see that uh, very often in six-man football. And speaking of Lehman and it just being Lehman, he reached out to you on this game because Mullen is the other team that kicked a field goal, and you got to tell him why the score was 10. Yeah, he said, how in the world did Mullen score 10 points? So, you know, like we talked about just a while ago, not many field goals happen in six-man football, but it did in the Mullen game. So they got a touchdown, and then they kicked a field goal, a 31-yard field goal. And, yes, I got to tell Lehman that. And if How you, much fun was that? If you don't think Lehman's not watching the scores, think again, because he is, and he always asks me if it's correct. <laughs> uh, Noasis Canyon over Kerrville, Our Lady of the Hills, 55-52. to 52. Miami takes out Lubbock Christ the King, 64-7. to 7. Hayden Thompson putting up uh, Atari numbers here. Yeah, I'm old, Atari. 190 <laughs> yards through the air and six touchdowns, 148 yards rushing in two. Luke Wheeler on the ground, 143 yards and two touchdowns and eight tackles. You like that Atari reference, didn't you, Bobby? Oh, my gosh. That, I had an, yes, I had an Atari. You know, what was it, breakout and the tank game? What was that tank game called? I had one. I didn't play that one. Space Invaders, so, Pac-Man. Yes. Centipede. Yeah. So, so primitive, but those were the best games. And, you know, Pac-Man's still around. So obviously it had some staying power because, I mean, you know, you and I are older. So <laughs> that, that's a nice way to say we are very old. Bobby. You know what? I always put er after it because age is just a number. That it is. Uh, Savoy, the Cardinals, and Coach Guzman get a win over Fannindale, 26-24. Spur over Anton, 78-27. Corey Hamilton with 235 yards rushing and six touchdowns in that ballgame. Milford takes out Gorman, 62-28. to uh, And one final game of note here, Borden County squeezes by Highland, 47-40. to That game was a lot closer than I anticipated. Well, yeah, I can I can see why, but um, it, you know Ishmael is still out. Uh, hopefully, they'll have him back this week because you know they travel to Strawn on Thursday to meet up with Abbott at six thirty. So that's going to be very interesting in, in the week six. Definitely, and we'll get to those uh, games to look at. But I know you've got some news and notes that you pull out of your back pocket. You like the old nineteen forties newspaper guy. You got the little little tablet that you pull out and uh, flips over and you start writing notes. So uh, hit us with those notes, Bobby. Oh boy. Yeah. My back pocket. I usually don't even have pockets. So <laughs> maybe pull out of my camera bag, but there are some really good additional stories this week. A new six man record for longest return was set Friday, September 16th by Jackson Gay of Chester, when he a record, returned, a record that will never be broken. Well, true. 
can be tied. It'll be tied, but never broken. Right. But he returned a deflected Calvert pass, 89 yards for a touchdown. You can see the link to the YouTube video on the Backroads uh, podcast. Yes, we do have that clip. And it's it's a really cool clip to watch. So go out to the website, to the 1A page, and uh, look at, while I'm talking about that, let me just give that a little plug. Anything that we talk about here, as far as pictures or links or articles or things like that, uh, I put them up on 1AFan.com on the Backroads podcast page because sometimes, you know, people hear something and they want to go read it for themselves. I totally agree with that. So we made a page just for this podcast. So anything we talk about will be put there so you can find everything there. Okay, so this is kind of funny. You know how we've talked about, there's two things actually. You know how I like to talk about concession stands. Not that I ever get to eat at them because I'm busy taking pictures and stuff. But last year, Stephen Reynolds, one of our broadcasters for Texas 1A fan, had told me about steak on a stick at Westbrook. And I, oh, he said I'm it was, all over it. he said it was awesome. And let me tell you, I'm a steak person. So I was very excited because I was going to go to Westbrook and I watched the Westbrook and Rankin game. And of all horrors, they did not have steak on a stick and they do not have it this year. So I actually told Coach Matlock that I was going to start a campaign <laughs> to bring back steak on a stick to the Wildcat concession stand because I think all concession stands need steak on a stick. Wouldn't you eat it? Well, I agree with you. And here's the thing. If you told Coach Matlock, just get behind him because you know they're going to do whatever he asks. <laughs> hey, the most intimidating coach in, in six-man football, Homer he, Matlock. He doesn't have to do anything. He just has to <laughs> stand there. And he's such a nice, nice person. And, that is that is the funny part about it. He is such a nice guy, but uh, let me tell you something. There's not a coach built any better in six-man football than Homer Matlock. Well, and you know, he works hard at it. He told me he lifts weight weights every morning at 5.30 a.m. Now, that takes dedication to get up that early. So, moving on from steak on a stick, I'm still going to pound on that. So, Westbrook people, steak on a stick, bring it back. Next thing. Dency and Michael went to Blackwell yesterday for their homecoming game against Brooksmith. And you're not going to believe what the Blackwell concession stand is now selling. I've talked about their chicken strip dinners in the past. Now they're selling cheesecake sopapillas. Oh, my. Oh, my. I'm there. Count so, me in. Any of you out there listening, if you're going to Blackwell for a game, get the so uh, Sopapia cheesecake. Dency said it was fabulous. Um, if you want to see a picture of it, I'll put it up on the web page as well. Okay, moving on from food because now it's making me hungry. <laughs> uh, we also have the story of Jordan Terpstra. She is a 12-year-old from Sydney, and she was able to run in the Super Luck 5k in gold weight she is 12 years old and she took first place in that race now you're probably wondering what the super luck 5k is this is a race that benefits families that have kids battling cancer so the money raised helps pay bills like rent the electric bill and water what this does is it helps the parents uh, ease their minds financially a little bit so they can feel focus on helping their child through cancer. So we have a picture of Jordan Terpstra from Sydney, Texas, those Sydney Eagles, up on the podcast web uh, page. So great job, Jordan, and keep running and keep up the good work. And hopefully we'll see you in cross country in a few years. This is the coolest thing that I kind of run across. So Marfa had homecoming in week five. Marfa does not have a band. Presidio High School has a band, but no football team. So what did they do? 
for Marfa Homecoming, the Presidio Band traveled 60 miles to get to Marfa to cheer and play for the Shorthorns. How cool is that, Craig? That is way cool. Yes, they cheered for them. They played for them. So they helped each other out. So thank you, Presidio and Marfa. That is a really cool thing. Also, last note, uh, I would like, to, I'm, this is a very special shout out. I would like to give a shout out to our newest Texas 1A fan team member. His name is Michael Leal. He's from Throckmorton and he is our newest photographer. Welcome, Michael. We can't wait to get your pictures up on the Texas 1A fan Facebook page. Also, I'd like to give my heartfelt thanks to all of our passionate Texas 1A fan team members. Uh, our broadcasters are Michael McClure, Stephen Reynolds, Jason Henderson, and the famous Craig Sperry. <laughs> famous. <laughs> okay. I like that. <laughs> I thought I'd say that. You're always giving me a hard time. So, uh, And you do that part-time for us, and we appreciate you as well. Our photographers are Dency McClure, John Reynolds, Larry Martinez, and David Chi. And then we have uh, part-timers who do stuff like media stuff. And uh, that would be Jimmy Boo Boo Armanderas. He's working on a video series where he goes to talk to coaching legends and videos it. And he gets them. He has a very old uh, leather football helmet. It's the coolest thing. And so after he uh, talks to him and records it, then he gets them, the coach, to sign the leather helmet. So far, he's interviewed Vance Jones, and he's also interviewed Trey Ritchie and Bubba Edwards. We're going to push this out on our YouTube page. We'll let you know when it's all ready, but it's it's been a labor of love, and he absolutely adores talking to legendary coaches so he's got a whole list of them so look for that to come pretty soon that is awesome so lots of the news and notes week five in the books real quick let's look ahead to week six and uh man talk about some games i i just kept writing and writing and writing you talked about abbott and borden county at strawn um but some other games going on crest at whiteface i think that is going to be an interesting matchup there St. Joe at Knox City. How about this one? Benjamin at Lorraine. That, that should be a good one. Uh, Naz goes on the road to take on Whitherell. Van Horn at Garden City. May taking on one of our favorite private schools, Smoking for Jesus Ministry out of Burnett. Uh, they only fell to 12 to Jonesboro, so now they get May. Spur at Jayton. And then Follett goes to take on the Dragons of Paducah in Paducah. That's, that's a, a that's a lot of good games. Yeah, and that's a lot of four hour drive for Paulette. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's a long, a long drive. Way. You know, the thing that's interesting to me, especially this season, is we've had more and more games where teams that don't normally uh, get to play each other are meeting at a certain place. For example, Borden County and Abbott. Also, another one of those games, Goldberg and Motley County will meet in Benjamin to play on Thursday. So uh, some of the teams that, that don't normally play, uh, they're having the opportunity to face off against each other this season. Definitely. And that that's, I think as much as anything, it's about trying to find good matchups. Um, if you're a, a better team, you're definitely trying to find teams that can test you. Uh, that really has become a mantra of a lot of schools now. What's, what's the, toughest schedule I can build if I think I've got a good team. So I think that's why you see a lot of those. And you talked about three, four hour trips uh, and then meeting at a neutral site. It's just something that we've got to do. And man, for, for people like you and I who get to talk about these things, it's fabulous because normally you don't see that in 11 man football teams yeah. might play one game like that, but uh, in six man, I mean, everybody can play everybody. And that's what's so cool. Yeah, it really is. And lots of teams are willing to travel at least one game during the season. So love that. They are. Let's get to volleyball. That's right. The uh, white round ball. September 19th Poland rankings are out. I know Very Best and Benjamin had a heck of a ball game yesterday. Very Best came out on top in that one. 
Uh, Natchez, when you look at the polls, falls from number five to number 10. We talked about Benjamin and St. Joe. They're moving up uh, to five and six. Richards is up to number seven from number 10. Aquila falls out of the top 10. They go from number eight to number 12. And Perrin Witt has snuck back into the top 10 at number eight. Of course, Fayetteville at top at number one. Blum, number two, uh, with that 17-11 record, which I think confuses people. But uh, that's going to happen depending on what your schedule looks like. Number three, very best. Number four, the Monday Mogulets. I'll never forget that one, Bobby. Very oh, good. <laughs> Benjamin at five, St. Joe six, Richard seven, Perrin Witt eight, Klondike nine, and Netches ten. That rounds out the top ten. And don't forget, you can find the top 25 on the TGCA website. We got a link for that up on the Texas 1A Fan Volleyball webpage. Now, as we talk about running and cross country, it's running, so I know you love it. We're going to turn it over to you to have the uh, latest on the polls that came out in cross country for both boys and girls. Yes, regular season poll number two came out. And for the girls' top 10, Jayton stays in the number one spot, followed by Roby, McMullen County, Buena Vista Sands is in at number five, followed by Miller Grove, Eula Spur, Borden County, and Pretty. Yes, Pretty. Pretty. With two so, D's. Yes, that's correct. I don't know why we feel the need to to spell it for people. <laughs> but they are the Pirates, and they are number 10 in the girls' cross-country regular season poll number two. On the boys' side, we have Jayton at number one, followed by Saltillo, Slidell, Fayetteville, McMullen County, Miller Grove, Sands, Eula, Texline, and Blum rounds out the top 10 in that next poll. I am assuming that these regular season polls come out every two weeks for cross country because that's the the amount of time that was the span between number one and number two. So I'm going to go ahead and go with that with no additional evidence because I could find none. <laughs> well, and, and I know Jayton, both boys and girls at number one, I would guess that they will stay there. Both of them competed in a cross-country meet over in Denton. I believe the boys won it and the girls were second, or maybe that's vice versa. So look for them to remain at the top of the polls when it comes back out again. But, uh, hey, before we know it, it's going to be district and regional time in a cross-country. Can't wait for that. Oh. So, yeah. A few I know weeks. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know about love, but – um, I love watching it. I did not love, <laughs> there was nothing about it that I loved when I ran it. So I'm not sure that there's any kid out there that just loves cross country. Yes, there is that, one. And that would be Goodman. Oh, well, yeah. Well, Goodman at Spring Lake Earth, that, that girl, whoo, she, she, she has she's, to love it. She runs it year round. <laughs> she's running even when she's asleep. <laughs> I'm telling you, she is something else. If you if you get a um, chance to watch her, go watch. It is, it is definitely worth the sight to see. So let's finish things out with Lehman's Six Man 101, which, oh, anyway. So let's get to it. Lehman's Six Man 101 to finish out the program. And, Bobby, I'm going to leave this one to you. I'm not touching it. You sent me a photo of it. It's called the Reverse Snap. You tell us about it because it, it would be uh, quite uh, interesting if I'm out here trying to describe it. Yeah, well, uh, Lehman posted this on Twitter and, you know, I get all my six man uh, 101 stuff from Lehman. That's it was it was quite funny, but it's called uh, it's a new way to snap the ball back in 1947. And it was successful in the days of the clear pass rule. Remember, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, where the only way you could get it from the quarterback to anyone else was a clear pass. So the reversed snap was used by several teams to eliminate the necessity of turning and allowed the clear pass to be made in less time. Now, I will, I have a picture of this out on the uh, podcast webpage. It is quite funny to um, view. So go out there and view it at your pleasure. It was in, this picture came from the 1947 edition of Six Man Football Magazine. 
some of the disadvantages, this is, I love the disadvantages because I love this six man magazine from the forties and fifties because of their commentary. It is, it is um, absolutely fabulous. <laughs> But some of the disadvantages listed in the 1956 edition of Six Man Football Magazine were, number one, difficult ball handling, and there tended to be lots of fumbling early in the season. I can't imagine why. Go look at the picture. Um, it's also, it takes lots of timing and practice. And <laughs> this is my favorite one. A disadvantage, Craig, is the tailback takes a terrific beating and that is a direct quote <laughs> terrific beating <laughs> gotta, gotta love the writing in the 50s it's fantastic I'm you, what it was let me describe what the reversed snap was was the center and the quarterback are rear end to rear end or butt to butt they also call it the butt to butt snap it looks quite quite funny but you can i can see where uh in the days of the clear pass rule it would be a lot easier to do because you could see there was a clear pass and you wouldn't have to turn around to do it but here's the best part of this whole discussion garden city ran the reverse snap in the 50s and grady ran it in the 70s and guess what some have taken to calling calling the reverse snap or butt to butt snap as the Grady bump. <laughs> All I know is the quarterback and the center better be best of friends. I'm telling you something, something along those lines. But leave it to Lehman. Lehman comes through. He sent me a link to uh, YouTube to his six man films YouTube page. And there is a video of Grady running the Grady bump against Whit Harrell in 1976. And yes, we do have that link on our webpage. So if you want to go see the, the bump, the Grady bump, butt to butt, reverse snap, whatever you want to call it. If you want to go see that, definitely out there, you can see it in action. So folks, if you do nothing else this week, you gotta go check out the video. 1AFan.com. It's on the webpage out there. It's the Grady Bump. Grady running it against Wet Harold in 1976. For whatever reason, I have no clue. But well, in the days thing. of Clear Pass, I could see, I guess I could see the uh, the usage for it. <laughs> well, you know, when you have when you had to have a clear pass and nothing else, I can understand that. Um, what made it so funny and what made it catch my attention is Lehman put this out on Twitter and coach Jones at garden city said that they garden city may have run it in the fifties, but they would not be running it in the twenties. And there were some funny comments and memes from the six man coaching world. And so that was highly entertaining for me. So I thought I'd explain the reversed snap. So there you have it. Coach Jones is really good at stirring up the uh, six man coaching community. He He is the social media darling of six-man football. I have to tell you a funny story about that. Before Jordan Jones, his son, who's a senior this year, he's been out uh, with with an injury. But before he was in high school and played, I guess he had uh, Coach Jones's phone because Dency and I, like during the game, like during Garden City's games, there would be tweets that went out <laughs> Dency and I were so confused. We didn't know who was tweeting. And we thought, is he over there coaching and then tweeting on the, I mean, what is, what's going on? And he said, no, that someone else had his phone and was doing the tweeting for him. But it was a funny, funny thing because we just couldn't figure out how that was happening. And we thought he may have like ninja thumbs or something. <laughs> <laughs> hang on. I, I, I got to get this tweet out and then I'll call a play. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Yeah. Okay. Wait, All right, wait, wait. Oh, here, here it comes. Here it comes. <laughs> You go out and you tell the referee, you know, you can't start the play clock until I get this tweet out. Then you can start the play clock. Yeah, but it definitely wasn't that. He does not tweet. If you've ever watched Coach Jones on the sideline, there's no time for him to tweet. And and he doesn't even, I don't think he even has his phone in his pocket. That was that was a source of confusion, but we got that all cleared up. And, and now that Jordan's in high school, I haven't seen tweeting during the game. 
So I'm assuming it was Jordan. <laughs> well, that is great. Well, speaking of Garden City, that's going to wrap it up for us as Garden City took down the champ this week. Uh, lots of news and notes that we had for you. Do appreciate uh, Union Hill head coach uh, Josh Bragdon coming on with this great interview with him. Volleyball, cross country, and yes, the reverse snap or the Grady Bump, whatever you want to call it. Let's get out of here because we don't want to touch that one anymore. I'm Craig Spear with the Happy Sports Network and PressBestSports.com. And I'm Bobby Brown with Texas 1A Fan. Remember, guys, go forward and do good.